As we already mentioned this evening, we have missionary speaker Tim Hawes uh, here with us, and he's going to present the ministry. The reason we asked him to come was we have an opening in our missions support month by month that we take peoples on, and we keep it a smaller number so we can support them a little bit more generously. And so the missions committee was just meeting, asked some really, really good questions. They're going to recommend, Tim, that we take you on for support on a regular basis. They're going to recommend it to the church. We'll vote on it in two weeks. If we do, the amount will be a little over $12,000 a year. So that should be about one-third of what you need to be raising. Plus, they are also authorizing that we give you a check, not this evening, but through your mission board, for an extra 15000 to help with some immediate projects that you have. So why don't you come and tell the folk how that money would be spent, okay? And so you know more wisely. Thank you so much. We don't have words to express our gratitude, but thank you so much. That's been a great, great blessing and help, a great answer to prayer. We put a lot of prayer into that, and so thank you very much, Pastor Burgraff. Thank you to the church family. And the, there, as you saw this morning, we have the three areas of ministry. The first is church planting, and so we have two church plants, a church plant there at Case of Sorrow and also at Kapogu, the village that was split by fighting. We have the Bible College Ministry, where we have 50 students on campus. There's 400 graduates out across the country serving the Lord. And we're seeking to expand that to be able to have 100 students on campus, Lord willing, within 10 years to be able to see 1,000 graduates out across the country. Then we also have the Bible clubs in the public schools. We have 2,000 students a week in the Bible clubs, and we're seeking to be able to have 5,000 students a week in the Bible clubs there in Papua New Guinea. So the support that... Pastor mentioned you all have been giving a lot of project support as well, which has been a great help. So that will be used in each of those three areas of ministry to continue there with the church plan, continue the Bible school, continue with the Bible clubs. And also as the ministries expand, there's a great increase in expenses. So that the funds will be a great help and a great answer to prayer in that. And we showed a video this morning of some of the ways the project money has been used to help with the mission house and the Bible clubs, the outreaches, the sports outreaches, all those different things, church opening. And then we showed in the morning service, we showed a video that highlighted some of the history of the church plan and how the church plan had progressed from just a Bible study to the church plan, a little bit about the ministry in Kapogu and the other ministries we highlight in the morning service. I want to just show a short video tonight that just shows some of the daily life and some of the struggles in Papua New Guinea especially related to transportation and those kind of issues. So you all have been a big help with that. But just imagine if you were trying to get to church on Sunday morning, and this is what you had to do to get to church on Sunday morning. So if we can go ahead and have the video now. So there's never a dull moment in Papua New Guinea. It's called the land of the unexpected. And that's very, that's very, very true in the lies and ministry there. But the Lord is very faithful. God has been faithful in the last seven years, and God will be faithful in the future. And as we saw this morning in Sunday school, we looked at Psalm chapter 19. We saw that we are accountable to God, and we need to walk with Him each and every day in our lives with Him. We saw in the morning service, Matthew chapter 28, that we are to serve God. We need to go, and that we need to trust Him, and that He is 100% trustworthy. And tonight, I'm going to look at Romans chapter 8, and just some Principles there that have been a great blessing and great encouragement to us and our lives in Romans chapter 8, if you can turn there with me. 
In the beginning of this chapter, in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 14, you see to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And we see that in our culture and our society around us. Those that don't have God, don't have Christ, absolutely no peace. They despair. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's happening. But for us as Christians, God gives hope and peace in the midst of a storm. Verses 15 and 16, we see the adoption as we're adopted into Christ's family. 17 through 18, present suffering. We see creation subject because of the bondage of sin in verses 19 through 25. Verse number 26, we see the Holy Spirit praying for our infirmities, the Holy Spirit helping us in the midst of our needs. But look with me now in verse number 28. Verse number 28, a well-known verse. Verse number 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you've been so good to us. Thank you so much for Faith Baptist here, considering us to take us on for support. Lord, thank you so much for their partnership in the gospel. Lord, it's been such a joy and privilege to serve you in Papua New Guinea. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Pray that as we look at your word this evening, that as you've taught me much, you're instructing me through your word i pray that your word likewise would be a blessing to your people strengthen us lord you know each and every person what our needs might be spiritually strengthen us help those of us that know you to grow in our christian lives help those there's anyone here that maybe is not saved help them to trust christ as our savior lord we love you and trust you we ask your blessing upon this time in jesus name amen so verse number 28 we see that all things work together for good As God works in our hearts and our lives, God is working behind the scene and he's working things together for his eternal purposes and plans. Ways that we can't explain, ways that we can't imagine, God is at work. We alluded to it, but we didn't really give the details. We mentioned the replacement vehicle. We had just started the Friday night sports outreaches. And as you saw in the one picture, you get as many people as you can in a Land Cruiser, but sometimes there's no more room. And you can't always squeeze one more in. And so we had a young man we trained to help us drive. And I was driving one vehicle. He was driving the other vehicle. And our plan was to use him in the Bible club so that we could go to two clubs on the same day at the same time, two different schools. And you have to remember, for someone in Papua New Guinea, if you've never even driven a lawnmower or a bicycle to drive a vehicle, it's a big jump. And so we were worked with him. I, he drove many hours with me and got him a license did everything, went through the process, and he was really doing a good job. We felt confident, and we let him drive. And so we went to Friday Night Sports Outreach. He left before I did. I was coming back, and as I was coming down the one mountain, I saw our Land Cruiser, which he was driving, wedged in the bridge at a 90-degree angle. Uh, it's just your heart just jumps and just, you know, I was thinking, it can't be our vehicle, but there's only one that has that roof rack, and I knew it was our vehicle. And so we got down there to the hill. I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't focused on the vehicle. I was just trying to make sure everyone was okay that was in the vehicle. And praise the Lord, by God's providence, when it's a single-lane metal bridge, he, when as he came down the hill, he just panicked for whatever reason. You know, he hadn't driven a lot, even though we practiced a lot with him. But he just, he didn't even hit the brakes. He got in neutral and didn't hit the brakes or nothing lost control going down the hill and ran into the bridge. But if he hadn't hit the bridge, because he wedged into the bridge, the bridge absorbed the impact. If he'd have gone over the bank, I'm sure everyone in that vehicle would have died. There, it was a miracle from the Lord that everyone was okay. 
But the problem is a vehicle for us is a lot of money. And we didn't have much of a hope to be able to get a replacement vehicle. But we did have insurance on it. And as we talked to the insurance people are talking about it, they asked what happened. I was honest. I didn't lie. Told them what happened. And they're like, well, that isn't going to work. They said, can't you give us some kind of story? Tell us the brakes failed or it was raining or, or just make up something. They said, you gotta, you're not going to get any money out of this. And I said, well, I said, we're here. We're missionaries. I said, I can't lie about it. And they said, well, you know, basically, you're not going to get any money out of this. And so we left in the Lord's hand. We didn't have the answer. And only God could see fit. But I knew one thing. We weren't going to lie and we weren't going to be dishonest. And so we left in the Lord's hands, and we really, really prayed. And through a miraculous series of events, it takes too long to explain everything, the insurance company actually gave us more money than what we paid for the vehicle originally. And who could do that? Only God. It's just a marvelous miracle of what God did. And the church here was also a big help as the price of vehicles had increased dramatically. But it was just amazing how that God worked. And something that was very tragic in our minds, we didn't know how it was going to work out. God turned it for good. And through that, we were able to get another driver hired that was able to drive for us full time. He had a lot more experience driving and was much, much better. But God turned something that was disastrous. He turned it into good. And it was an incredible testimony there, too, to many of the local believers. And and their culture, they would always lie. They would always be deceptive. But just to see God work as only God could work. But as we look again in verse 28, it says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the cold according to his purpose. There's absolute confidence. As we live the Christian life, it's not a question or a doubt. We know that God is at work in our lives. As you look at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, everything went wrong for Joseph. His family turned against him. He was sold into slavery. He did the right thing as a slave, and then Potiphar's wife lied about him. He was thrown into jail for doing the right thing, for fleeing temptation. He was thrown into jail. He worked hard in the prison. He was faithful. God blessed him. He was risen to a position of prominence there, helping with other prisoners. The butler and the baker had their dreams. He interpreted the dream. He said to the butler, when you get back, when you serve Pharaoh, he said, remember me. And the Bible says the butler forgot about him again for how long two more years can you imagine that this whole time joseph is doing the right thing but everything looks like it's working against him but god was behind the scenes working for good pharaoh had the dream the butler remembered after two years and overnight god allowed joseph to have influence over the country of egypt and be an incredible testimony for god and there could be i don't know the situations in your life but there could be situations You don't know the answer to things could be very difficult in your life. But know if you're a Christian that God is at work behind the scenes. God has a greater plan and a greater purpose. Bigger than you could imagine or bigger than you could plan. But with this promise, there is also two conditions given. He says, we know that all things work together for good. He says to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Joseph was loving God in Egypt. Despite all the things that happened to him when he was thrown into jail for doing the right thing, he didn't walk out on God. He didn't say, I've had enough of God. He didn't say, I've had enough serving God with my life. He said, I've, he didn't say, I've been obedient this many years and this is what happens to me and I'm letting go of God. No, he loved God. And for us as God's people, we need to love God. God's love for us is unconditional. 
And we should love God despite what he chooses to bring into our lives to mold us and shape us according to his will and his plan. We are to love God with all of our heart. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph recognized this at the end of his life after his father had died he was speaking to his brothers he said but as for you you thought evil against me but god meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive through joseph loving god trusting him great deliverance was brought to the country of egypt but much greater than that god's plan for his chosen people and as we follow god as we serve god in our lives as we love god god is working all things together for good in our lives. God wants us to love him and God wants us to trust him. One one person that I think of in Papua New Guinea that has had that love for God is a young man. I mentioned him briefly when we were talking to the missions committee tonight, but a young man by the name of Max. He's from a different area of Papua New Guinea and culture in Papua New Guinea you might think it's one country, but out of those 8 million people, the 800 languages, their cultures are very, very different. And Max was a young man, came to the Bible school, trained, graduated as a Christian school teacher. He teaches in our academy there at the Bible college for the elementary kids. But he helps me a lot with the outreaches, the Bible clubs, the youth outreaches, sports outreaches. He's been a great help and a great blessing to me. But many times, honestly speaking, I think Max was going through more culture shock than I was on some of the things in Papua New Guinea. Because their cultures are so different. They're from the same country, but the languages and cultures are so different. And there'd be times where, honestly, Max was really struggling. I remember one time we were taking a hike, and Mike, Max had stayed the night with the vehicle, had broken down. We weren't able to get it out. He was very, very tired. He was so tired hiking, he just sat down and slid down the mountain. No lie. That's how tired he was. But he never gave up. He never quit because he had a love for who? God. He had a heart for God. Sometimes the people, different culture, different customs, he'd make a certain request for something simple, something food, water, whatever. But their culture was different and they wouldn't give it to him. But he wouldn't give up. He would accept it. He would be faithful because he had a love for God. And God worked in Max's life in a wonderful way. He was actually, the only wedding we've had in the church was his wedding. But it was such a joy to see how the Lord brought a Christian young lady into his life and how the Lord blessed Max and the ministry God has given him to help us with the Bible clubs and those different things. But it was because he had a love for God, an unconditional love. The love that God shows to us is agape love self-sacrificing love but that's the same love that we are to show to god in romans chapter 8 verse 28 we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are called according to his purpose we saw this morning in matthew chapter 28 god's purpose god's plan for world evangelism god wants us to serve him god wants us to go god wants us to trust him and god has a plan for my life god has a plan for your life God's plan for each one of us is different, but God wants whatever his purpose, his plan is for our life, God wants us faithful in that. God wants you to fulfill that purpose, that plan he has for your life. God has uniquely prepared you for that, and nobody else can do that job or that role that God has prepared you for to serve him. What is God's will? What is God's plan for your life? Whatever it is, if you follow it, you trust it, you will have no regrets 
for doing that. Look with me now in verse number 31. Verse number 31. It says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That verse has many times been a great encouragement on the mission field. There's times that things go as planned. There's times that things don't go as planned. But the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is ultimately in control of all things. You know, as I think about the work there in Papua New Guinea, there is a young lady. She was actually, you saw in the video this morning, Hercules got baptized. She was also baptized at the same time. Her name was Christina. And many hardships in her life. Um, Don't know all the stories, but I know she went through some accidents. I don't know if it was related to fighting or accidents with machetes. But very difficult things in her life. Very quiet. She wasn't very talkative. She wouldn't always say a lot. But God had a plan and purpose for her life. Went through many difficult things in her life. But she so attending the church. She actually was living in Port Moresby. She was from there. Went down to Port Moresby. Came back up. But heard God's word each and every week. But a very difficult situation. But God was working in her life. She got saved. And now who's in control of her life? God. God's in control of her life, and it's just amazing to see God transform her life, to see her follow the Lord in baptism, and despite the many hardships, despite the many difficulties, now God is helping her. God is taking care of her. God is for her in her life. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. As believers, we have a great refuge, a great confidence, a great hope in the Lord. As you grow in your walk with God, that relationship becomes personal. You develop that rest, that trust in God. If God be for us, who can be against us? Even as we think about this election time, many things in our country aren't working out. But for us as Christians, God is in control of all things. The book of Psalms chapter 27, Psalm chapter 27 and verse number one, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That was a Psalm of David. David went through many hardships in his life. He was anointed as king. God said, you will become king. But he, the Lord used him a great way. He killed Goliath. After that, Saul was chasing him. Saul was jealous of him. God used David in many, many ways. The women said of David that he killed his ten thousands. They said of Saul, he's killed his thousands. And because of that, Saul sought to kill David. But David said, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That was something that was very real to the life of David. David knew what it was to have his life threatened. David went through many hard times. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse number 1, David said, I shall now one day perish by the hand of Saul. That wasn't true. That was what David said in his heart. But the truth was that David wouldn't perish by the hand of Saul because David had in his life the promise of God. And there might be times in your life where you get discouraged, where things don't work out, where you think, you know, this circumstance, this situation, this situation with family or work or neighbors or whatever is going to conquer me it's going to destroy me i can't handle it anymore 
But that's not the case because if God is for us, who can be against us? And David felt that way sometimes in his life. But ultimately, David became king. He ruled seven years in Hebron and 33 years, a total of 40 years, he was king. God's promise came true. And for us as believers, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. Verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? I don't know what impossible situation you might have in your life, but know that God is greater than that situation. The situation, the circumstances might be greater than you, but it's not greater than God and his power and his ability. Psalm chapter 46 and verse number 7. Psalm chapter 46 and verse number 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. If you're a Christian, if you have Christ in your heart, God is with you. Just as we saw this morning in the end of Matthew chapter 28, verse number 20. God does not want us to force our way through life. He wants us to trust him. Oftentimes, you'll see the unsaved, those that don't know Christ, they try to force their way through life. If something doesn't work out, if someone does them wrong, they try to step it up the next notch and they try to outdo them or they try to force their way through life. But it's not that way for us as Christians. For us as Christians, we leave everything in God's hand. And we trust him. We rest in him. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Look with me now in verse number 35. Verse number 35, it talks about the love of God. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So before in verse 28, we saw that we are to love God. But now this is speaking about God's love. For us. Verse 35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or pearl or the sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Okay, there's many, many things listed in this verse tribulation, distress, persecution. Some things we go through, some things we don't experience in our lives. Many of these things that people in Papua New Guinea experience. If they trust Christ as their Savior, there's great opposition from the village. Uh, there was a man, he went, through, he went through our Bible school. He, became a, he was a believer What came to the Bible school. He got a real burden to serve the Lord in ministry. He became a pastor. Pastor there helping several churches at first. And then he started his own church plant was faithful serving the lord and his wife died we believe of a brain aneurysm we don't we don't know what happened um but very difficult situation he came back to the village all the village people said that your wife died so we need to find out who killed her he said no he said i'm a christian i'm a believer i know that it was god's time to call her home and god called her home and the custom the culture the people said no 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 we know you're a Christian, but they said, we're still going to go ahead with the sorcery and the witchcraft, and we're going to find out who killed your wife, and we're going to kill her. He said, no, you're not. He said, it was my wife, and I'm a pastor, and you're not going to do that. And we were able to spend a lot of time trying to strengthen him, encourage him, but he took such a strong stand for God. And that wasn't easy. The pressure he was under was incredible. I mean, it wasn't just from one or two people. It was the whole entire village. But as he made that decision to follow Christ, he trusted Christ. And by God's grace and mercy, he stayed faithful, serving God. And the Lord has sustained him through that situation. 
Look with me now at verse number 37. It says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. In verse 38, it says there, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. As I've mentioned many of the sorcery, witchcraft things, God's power is is greater than all of Satan's power. Satan has no power, no authority compared to God's power. He, is, he knows his time is short and he only has a short time to work here upon this earth. There is a young lady. I shared the story of her sister, I believe, last time I was here. It was through her sister, Jira, that the first Bible club was started at Safa. It was through Flora that the first Bible club was started in the high school. But through those... Young ladies, we were able to go in and talk to the school. The school said yes, and we were able to start those Bible clubs. But Flora and her sister, they both got saved. I believe they got saved on the same Saturday in the Bible study. It might have been a week or two apart, but I think they got saved at the same time. But Flora made a strong decision to follow God. Once again, difficult family situation. Her parents, as far as I know, her biological parents were still married and together. But they basically sent her off to live with someone else in the village because they didn't have the resources to be able to care for her or provide for her. So she was growing up with other people in the village. And very difficult situation. But Flora is a Christian, trusted Christ as her Savior. But as is so often the case in Papua New Guinea, she got very, very sick. And the village people, of course, said, you need to go to the witch doctor. The witch doctor needs to help you. And they forced her to go to the witch doctor. We don't know all the details, all those things. But very difficult situation. And she became, of course, she didn't get better. She got worse, very, very ill. She wasn't able to come to the church now. She was far away. They took her to a different village, different place. But all those things that she went through, did that separate her from God's love? Yes or no? No, absolutely not. God had a, if we look in verse number 28, God had a purpose. He had a plan for her life. Things were working together for good. Verse number 31, God was for her. And all those things, very difficult situation. She was finally able to get back to the village close to the church, get back with the family she lived before. She was able to get some medical treatment, and by God's grace and mercy, she was able to recover her strength. She came back to the church, was faithful. She started to bring her friends to the Friday night sports outreaches, other girls her age. She was bringing them faithful. Then she said, she said, I want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Joined the baptismal class she really began to grow in her Christian life, and she was also one of the young women that were baptized along with Hercules right before we left. And nothing can separate us from the power of God's love. We might all go through different situations. I'm sure some of us have had very difficult things in our backgrounds, in our past, but none of those things are greater than God's love. Look with me again. Let me read again verse 35, and I'll come down to verse 38. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, the pearl, the sword? Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a great confidence for us. As believers, you can rest and you can trust in the love of God. There's many times that we fail God, but God never fails us. 
God has never failed us, nor will he ever fail us. He is 100% trustworthy. Look with me at verse 37. It says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. As I think back to one young man, his name is Samuel. Um, I might have shared a little bit of his story this morning. But as we were hiking to Kapogu, Samuel's just a young man, probably about 10 to... No, he's not 10. He's older than that. Probably 12 years of age. He lives in a grass hut there in Papua New Guinea. His father died of... I believe it died of AIDS. His mother I've never met, but I'm pretty sure she's still alive. But he basically sleeps wherever he can live. Wherever he can find a place to sleep, he'll sleep. So some, some mornings when we go to Kapogu, he's sleeping on the bottom of the mountain. Some mornings he's sleeping at the top of the mountain. But he's always faithful. You know, it's still dark, 5.30. We leave the Bible college at 5. We get there about 5.30. It's still pitch black. And I'll see this little boy running down the mountain. It's Samuel. And he's always faithful. He'll go with us. He'll hike to Kapogu. We were hiking to Kapogu. And a couple months ago, he said to me, he said, Tim, he said, I was really close to getting saved. He said, I actually planned on getting saved. He said, I was coming to church and one Sunday morning, and I was planning that Sunday, I was going to tell you I wanted to get saved. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. But he said, on my way to church, and there's one particular woman in the village that's very hostile. For what, She's had a difficult life too, but she's very mean to very many people. And for whatever reason, he ran into her that morning. And he said, she beat me up really bad. And he said, he, said, I, he still came to church, but he said, I just couldn't get saved. He said, that happened to me, and he said, I just, I couldn't get saved. And he said, he said, would you please pray for me that God would give me my peace, would give me peace that I could get saved and I could trust Christ as my Savior. And that was the end of our conversation. That was as much as he told me. I had a few more seconds to talk with him. We were hiking with probably 10 or 13 other guys, so, you know, it just was perfect. I had a few minutes just by ourselves. You know, there were other people in front of us, behind us. And so I continued. I really prayed for him that week. Next Sunday, we were hiking to Kapogu again, about the same exact path in the road we were actually coming back, it was about the same place. He said to me, Tim, he said, I'm ready to get saved. He said, I want to trust Christ as my Savior today. And you, you'd look at verse 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He had many hardships, many difficulties. He talked to me about his father dying, all those things. But through Christ, he was able to conquer all those things. And he got saved. He trusted Christ as a savior and if you think about it pray for samuel we don't know god's plan for his life i have no idea how he got the bible named samuel i have no idea but maybe god has a great plan for his life to be able to minister there in the village so as we look at romans chapter 8 as i finish now verse number 28 we see that all things work together for good hey verse 31 if god be for us who can be against us and nothing will separate us from god's love God's love in our life is assured. It's not something we need to doubt or question. It's absolute. It's a promise from God. But the thing that often changes is our love for God. In the book of Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We need to love God with all of our heart. God's love for us doesn't change, and our love for God shouldn't change despite what happens to us in our lives. The last verse I want to share before I finish is Psalm chapter 86, verse 11. Psalm, Psalm chapter 86, verse 11 is 
a wonderful verse as we think about resting and trusting in God. It's a verse that if I was to pick one verse as my life verse, I would pick this verse. But it says, teach me thy way, O Lord. Okay, that's a prayer. That's a request. You're asking God to teach you, to instruct you, to guide you. And then it's a promise on our part. It says, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. As you ask God to teach you, to instruct you, to guide you, God will do that. He will guide us. He will instruct us. Be assured that all things will work together for good in your life, according to God's plan, according to God's purpose. If God be for us, who can be against us? And nothing will separate you from God's love. Pastor Berger. Are you, uh, your voice still good to take some yes, questions? Yes, sir. <clears throat> Why don't we come here? Let's just do some informal things. Let's... Um, Open it up. Let's uh, see if you have the kids still have some ministry going for several more minutes. You may have questions about the ministry, things you've heard today, or, you know, how things work there in the Philippines. Or I have the one question. What is that guy doing on the pole that was straight up? (laughs) Yes, very good question. So that was our flagpole. And the problem, the rope came off the pulley, and there was no way to get it back on the pulley. So he said, no problem. He said, I'll climb it. So that's what he was doing. Good for him. (laughs) Questions that you may have. Feel free. Yes, sir. Yes. So very good question. There is a number of other Bible institutes, very small, that have been started. Not very many, but I'd say two or three. There's one in Wow. There's one in Hagen. But they're very, very small, and they're more on a Bible Institute level. So they would, you know, offer, you know, one-year, two-year degrees. Um, there's actually plans that one's going to start in the capital, but that hasn't started yet. Um, so as far as I know, we're the only um, college, you know, of our belief, you know, as far as salvation through Christ, those kind of things that are offering, you know, bachelor's degrees, those kind of things. There's one other college, um, but we'd be slightly different, um, you know, as far as belief in those kind of things. Is there an, uh, an inundation of some of the other, um, the, hell, the prosperity gospel? Is that yes. heavy in that so, area? So just to kind of explain more, like, in other words, there's a Catholic school called Divine Word. Um, but they're, they're academically, they're okay. They were the first college in the, uni- or in the country to get university status and start the accreditation process. So academically, they're very good, but absolutely no gospel witness. I mean, a zero with the edges rubbed off. Um, as far as Pentecostal, yes, there is a strong Pentecostal life in the spirit movement, prosperity gospel. Um, it's really mind-blowing because you wouldn't think that they would fall for it and it's, it's a joke among some of the village people. I mean, they're, uh, they say, you know, some of the people try to say, you know, speaking in tongues as a heavenly language and all that kind of stuff. And they're literally, I mean, most of them know three or four languages. And they're like, they're just talking absolute nonsense. So, yes, there is, there is a lot of that that has come in. Um, and along with that, there's the cargo cult. So there's a lot of prosperity gospel um, as far as, you know, if they... If, some of the people have taught, you know, if you follow God, God's going to make you in a millionaire. And so they'll buy that hook, line, and singer. And then, of course, nothing changes. They're not saved. They're not going to heaven. And they don't know the gospel. You're, you're, give us one of those uh, strangest cultural experiences that you had. 
challenges? I, I don't know about strangest, but probably hardest was going through the peace mediation meetings. Those were definitely the hardest. I mean, I remember being in a room. There was one door in the room. There was one policeman with a machine gun that was guarding that door. I was in the middle, and both the, there was probably eight or ten guys from either side on either side, and there was two peace mediation guys in the front. And I was thinking to myself, if this thing goes really bad, there's one door and a machine gun in front of that door, and I'm not getting out of here. That's encouraging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Questions you may have about the experiences, life? Yes, ma'am. Leandra, do you want to answer that? Or it's what do you do when you're list, involved? So if she in? doesn't give herself justice, I will answer that. You want to add to that what she does? Yes, and she's my full-time secretary, and she answers the door constantly. But it's, it's a real joy. You know, we do a lot of the visitation together, and so it's a great joy to be able to do those ministries together and serve the Lord as a family. So we'd say, you know, family and ministry is not separate. We are a family in ministry. Um, but we do um, try, you know, to get time together as a family with the kids. It's not easy, but it is a high priority. 800 different languages, but you have a basic Bible that everybody can understand. Yes, sir. Good Bible, bad Bible? Okay, so we do have a Bible in the trade language, the Tokpijin Bible. Um, very good translation as far as quality. They got the language spot on, um, very good. But there's some serious issues with the translation. So as we've got into where we're teaching the Bible, the people in the church are growing. We're teaching more in-depth. We are observing more of those issues. So, for example, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first promise of the Messiah, where he will crush the head of the serpent, the serpent will bruise his heel. That should be singular in he. They translated that plural, they and them. So that just destroys the whole messianic prophecy of that verse and doesn't even make sense. So there is, there is that need. Mm-hmm. Other, other questions you may have? I don't... I have lots, but I want to give you that chance. Yes, sir. So the government is, they say they're a Christian country, so they're very supportive of our work. We're allowed to be in the public schools. That's a great help and blessing. Uh, but the corruption is just mind-blowing. So a lot of the government officials are involved in the corruption. We've been able to build some relationships um, through the peace mediation things, different things. Um, so really pray we are trying to reach more of the government. Providentially, where the church is located, we're very close to the district center. So we've even been developing a lot of relationships with the police and those different things. They came to the, they came to the church opening. The, it was raining that day for the church opening. So 
we call it Papua New Guinea time. The police showed up on time, but the rest of the people came late. But <laughs> so the police weren't there for the whole time. They just came and they left. But we are developing a lot of relationships with the government and those different people. They don't restrict you in any way, shape, or form? Uh, absolutely not. They're, I would say, 100% supportive. But I do, see, as I mentioned this morning, I do see that changing because the relationship they're choosing, instead of choosing Australia, which they've done historically, they've chose China now to fund everything. And China is definitely not supportive of us as Christians and missionary work. And so the Lord did open the door. We got our permanent residency, which was a great miracle from the Lord. It usually takes 30 years, to, 20, 20 years, 30 years to get that. So the Lord granted that to us after seven years is a great blessing. So that should help us stay in the country if that relationship changes. What do you have for medical <clears throat> in your region? Uh, doctors, hospital, things of that sort, if your family had a need? All right. So for us, there is a clinic there at the Bible College, the senior missionaries, Bill and Lori Smith, they do a medical clinic and great ministry. She sees about 150 people a day. She has one local nurse that helps her and just mind blowing the number of people. Um, we're building a new clinic there and they're trying, they'll probably, they probably have about 10 years left in country. So they want to get that clinic ministry localized before they leave. So building a new clinic, if we have normal healthcare issues, you know, we, we would go to her. There is, New Tribes Mission has a doctor we can sometimes go to, but they don't always have a doctor in country. If it's something serious, we have to leave the country and get health care outside of the country. Questions? Yes, sir. What's your commissioning church in this area? What church sends you Okay, so my dad at Temple Bible Church, he's my home pastor. So he's our Temple Bible Church. So he's my sending church in home pastor and so he's been a great blessing and help a great counsel in the ministry go ahead the church that you have established you're pastor of it yes yes so very good so we started the church plant and after a few years into it the bible school we actually have localized now so the bible school is localized we have a local president his name is pastor jack gundu so he's president of the Bible school now. I'm vice president of academics, and we have another fella that is vice president of student affairs, a local fella. And so as we were doing that, as the church plant was growing, when Pastor Jack became president of the Bible school, I asked him to help us with the church plant. So he is actually technically the local pastor of the church. So it's not a lot, but the church there supports him at it's 100 keynes, so about 33 U.S. dollars every two weeks. So... They see him as the pastor. They call me the missionary. And so we're working together on it. Um, and he's not, he's not able to do all the visitation, all those kind of things, because of his responsibility at the Bible College. But they would still call him their local pastor. Go ahead. More than I got my first pastor. What's the name of the church and the name of the college? Okay, so the name of the college is Goroka Baptist Bible College, and the name of the church is Sagifa Baptist Church. So... Yes, so long-term plans for the Bible school. In 10 years, we're looking to see 1,000 graduates graduate from the Bible school. But it really depends on the incoming freshman classes, if we can make the numbers these next few years. Uh, one goal for the church in 20 years, I'd really like to see a local Papua New Guinean sent out as a missionary somewhere there in Papua New Guinea from the church. So, you know, not someone from another area, but from where the church is. And in 30 years, I'd, we'd love to see a missions movement from Papua New Guinea around the world sending missionaries. 
Others? Questions? Yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. That, that's a very good question. So it is a very poor country. Um, they might make a dollar an hour minimum wage if they get a job somewhere, but that's very, very few of them. Most of them will never get a job. They sell their market produce, and, you know, they sell their food for a few dollars, and, you know, they got to pay their bus fare to get in on a bus. And so the, the long story short is they can't make very much money. Now, on the flip side, the opposite end of the spectrum, there's a lot of mining in Papua New Guinea, a lot of coffee industry, those kind of things. So a lot of the local people don't make the money, but a lot of the expats and you know, other government um, agencies, all those kind of things, they're making the money. So a few Papua New Guineans can get sponsorships through those kind of things, the mining or the government, but it's very few of them, not very many. So most of them come to the Bible school, they're sent from their local church, and their local church isn't even able to support their pastor very much. So to be able to pay someone to go to the Bible school is almost impossible. So we offer what we call work scholarship for them at the Bible school. So they'll be doing various things for the Bible school. They've helped with a lot of the printing. We printed those 70,000 pages for Christian schools. They'd help with that. They, we raise coffee at the Bible school. So that usually provides about three to $4,000 a year for our income. Um, the students help with other various projects there at the Bible school. Um, so we have the work scholarships, but all that money has to be raised um, to be able to you know, support the work scholarship. And then that work scholarship money, that pays for a lot of the local teachers, a lot of the infrastructure, um, fuel, food, all those different kinds of things. Would there be a possibility in the future where some of the students would be getting advanced education and eventually they become the faculty of the school? Yes, absolutely. So that's already happened. So because the Bible school has been there for 40 years, we already have a number, a number of local teachers that teach. Um, Pastor Jack, the president of the Bible school, he graduated from the Bible school. Solomon, who's in charge of student affairs, he graduated from the Bible school. Um, Pastor Philip, a teacher, he graduated from the Bible school. And there's many others. Other questions you may have? Any others? Yes, sir. Uh, culture is very different. So there's no social distancing there. So when COVID hit and those kind of things, like, you know, I mean, if you can touch them, they thought that was social distancing. I mean, you're literally right in each other's faces. I mean, that's just normal. You always shake hands with everyone. And even coming back to America, that's a huge, I got to remember, you don't shake, you see someone, you might shake their hand three or four times that morning. You just, it's just normal. And so there's a lot of differences in culture there. Now, with this being on the Bible College campus, that helps a lot because the students, the students learn, you know, we tell them different things. But that being said, as soon as there's an emergency or something goes wrong, you know, I would say the privacy goes out the window. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Leandra. Or... Yeah, so you, you learn to adjust, and, and they're respectful. Um, but it's very easy in those moments to blow a relationship, too. If they think, you know... You didn't want to talk to them. And the relationship trumps everything in their mind. So if I'm, I mean, even talking to them trumps the fact that if I'm trying to fix the water and they don't have clean water, me talking to them is more important in their mind than the fact if they have clean water or they have electric. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. 
Do, do you want to answer that, Andrew? Did you hear? Cultural foods. So when they had those, uh, all those chickens or whatever that was in the video, that was a very exceptional time. Okay. And we raised them all at the Bible school, so it was a hundred of them outside of our house. So the students had to pay by yes, taking care of the chickens. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so pigs are very important, but there's no refrigeration. So if they kill a pig, they have to get everyone together to eat it. You're not saving it. So it's not like they can, you know, butcher a pig and eat on it. What's that? You wanted to go out and get something afterwards? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I grew up in Lancaster County. I did a farm, of, a ton of produce farming and all that kind of stuff. But I don't have the time. So when we first got there, I did a little bit of it, but I just don't have the time right now. We do raise some food for the Bible school, but we don't have a lot of land. So as we continue to build, we're running out of garden space. But honestly, at the price we can buy stuff in the market, it's hardly worth our time mm. to, to grow it. Um, and we have started, it used to be all the students would cook over an open fire every night, which, you know, it take them hours to cook their food and their sweet potatoes. So we've actually started cooking all their food now in the kitchen, which has helped them have a ton of time to study. Um, I, it's been a major improvement for the Bible College. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Let's uh, stop there. Yeah, parents, in a couple minutes, the kids will be done, but let me have a word of prayer. They're going to be at their table, give you an opportunity to be able to visit with them. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the friendship that we've been able to establish this day. Help it to be uh, fruitful in the days ahead. Give wisdom. Give them a blessed and bountiful ministry, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.